Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 61. You've got Chris and Brian. Um, this time around, we are going to talk about how to maintain your AR-15 over the long haul. Um, so things, you know, we start getting into, let's say, 10, 20, 30, maybe 40,000 rounds Yeah. through the gun. Um, what needs replaced, what wears out, um, what kind of spares and parts and things you should have around to make sure your, your rifle is able to stay up and running. You guys, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll being being the guy behind the counter at the gun store, I'll lead off with this: um, have a spare gun. Um, the reality check is, you know, we we've got a good friend of ours. You know, one is one is none, two is one, three is happy, four is great, five is, you know, well that's just awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, so ha- having a spare gun um, uh, from an AR perspective or a Glock perspective or whatever you're centric toward, AKs, this, that, or the other, um, you know, whatever that may actually be. Um, having a spare gun that if, if you're purely from a, a lazy training mentality, you're out training on the range and stuff like that, and something on your gun breaks, um, and I don't care what brand of gun you buy, the reality is they're made by man, they all have wear parts and stuff like that, um, and your gun craps out on you, and you if you want to take the time to diagnose it and have the instructor stop the whole class while you screw out on the line and be that guy, don't. Um, you know, quietly look at the instructor to say, hey, having, um, having you know, issues with the tool, I'll be right back and go get your second gun and go do whatever you're going to do. Um, I have a few ARs that might have different length barrels, but in general, most of the rest of the parts, aside from optics or something I might be test driving, um, all rhyme. So I can go grab a different gun and pretty much do the same thing almost no matter what. Um, you know, very little of what I have is like super specialized for long range or something like that. So have, have a spare would be a great place to start or two or yeah. three or whatever. So cool. Um, yeah, so this was based on a question, right? I think it was. This was based on a request, so long-term for <clears throat> AR stuff. So that's that's kind of what we're going to focus on then is kind of just specifically yeah. the AR long-term. Okay, cool. Um, do you want to start front to back? Sure. Okay, cool, cool. Um, front of the gun, muzzle brake. If you run a suppressor, having a spare muzzle brake that works with your suppressor is probably not a bad idea. Um, I don't know that muscle brakes necessarily wear out, uh, but maybe the locking system could wear out or something like that. So I don't know. The teeth could wear down. I don't know. Um, you know, and, and maybe that spare muzzle brakes attached to a spare barrel. Um, all of Daniel Defense's guns are hammer forged barrels. LWRC does hammer forged barrels. Um, and in general, as a cake eating civilian, if you're wearing out hammer forged barrels, good on you. That's flipping awesome. Or buy better ammo. Yeah, or buy better ammo. But in general, if you're wearing out your barrel, that's that's pretty awesome because it means you're you're burning some rounds to the gun and, and getting familiar with it. Um, actually, getting to know it, getting intimate with it. Um, if you're running a stock 4150 chromoly barrel, then then I would definitely say have a spare barrel or two. Um, you know, depending on what your uh, apocalyptic envisioned envisionments are, what do you see happening? What are you trying to be ready for? Um, this, this question I think popped up in light of current events, uh, whether it be you know worrying about the the flugaloo shutting the world down, or or worrying about the next presidential election and what freaking troglodyte we're going to get stuck with there. Um, but being prepared with that in mind, so spare barrels really aren't all that out of line. Plus it might allow you to build the spare gun we told you to get in the first place. So, you know, spare barrel would be a good thing. Um, parts on the barrel besides the muzzle brake, I I don't see gas blocks necessarily wearing out any faster than barrels, but if you're replacing the barrel, you should probably replace the gas block and gas tube. Um, 
you know, at which point just have a spare upper. Bingo. Um, you know, so we're back to that again already. All uh, right. So, um, you know, and then the upper receiver, I uh, don't see a whole lot of failure points with upper receivers unless somebody's done something stupid with ammo, like overloaded something um, or over torqued it and cracked the receiver. But that's a pretty rare beast too. Um, working your way into the bolt carrier group now is where the world gets, you know, again, we're back to maybe have a spare BCG. Um, you know, I, I, I used to carry spare batteries in the grip of my rifle. Magpul grip, super cool, man. I can put extra stuff in there. Um, you know, and the younger, I, when I was really young, I carried a condom in there because you never know. Um, but, you know, then I went to a couple of CR123 batteries because everything I ran used CR123s, um, whether it was, you know, an EOTech optic or, a, or, you know, an old school Surefire light cobbled onto it somehow. Um, but I was out on the range one day and had an ejector in the bolt, not the extractor, the ejector come up and stop the gun and ended up with a basically bolt action AR. Um, of course, I didn't bother with that. I went to my truck and grabbed another gun because that's what real Americans do. But anyway, um, came back to the line and went on. What I found out later was that if I'd had a spare bolt in my grip of my gun, rather than toilet paper or a condom or bubble gum or whatever, um, I probably could have just swapped out bolts on the line and went right back at it. That's assuming that you've checked headspace on that bolt and you want to do that occasionally, you know, maybe every 5,000 rounds or so, confirm that your spare bolt is still headspace properly to the gun and doesn't fall into that no-go range. Yeah, also, yeah. if you're going to put a spare bolt in the gun, um, confirm that it works. Don't take your old <laughs> bolt that may or may not have ejector or extractor problems and put in your grip because then you can keep your gun non-functioning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything that's brand new before you, you know, stow it away for, for good keeping for the, the zombie apocalypse or or just because Orange Man bad or whatever, um, you know, probably want to go test drive it and make sure that it all works. Um, I, I'm not as worried about a barrel or something like that. I, I Personally, I would feel more comfortable having a complete upright test drive, um, you know, and that's one of the reasons, again, for having the spare gun or the spare upper versus just the spare individual component there is a small likelihood that it could be out of spec or defective or something. Um, and I suppose something that we probably should have started off with was you're looking at buying these different pieces parts to back up whatever your primary is. Um, if your primary is not a, a, a high quality gun, if it's not something that has, you know, Bravo company or Daniel defense or, or Colt or, uh, even, even one of the like high end Smith Colt. and Wesson guns, like an M4, you know, like a Smith M4. Um, you know, if, if your gun's not a mil spec quality gun, you're better off starting off with a new gun, but the parts you want to set aside for this stuff, make sure they're good quality parts. Um, you know, I, I, for my spare stuff, every once in a while, I almost get this vibe like I spend more money on my backup parts, you know, where I'm like, you know, I, I'm real, real weird about bolt carrier groups. I like bolt carrier groups that say things like Daniel, um, Bravo Company. Um, we've had Aero really, precision. yeah, I've had really good luck with Aero stuff. Um, we've had really good luck with Fail Zero stuff. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get flamed out there. I'm sure there's somebody out there going, one of those brands is trash, blah, 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 blah. But I'm, I'm, we're not experiencing that. Yeah. It's had um, really good luck with the Radian weapon system. Yes. Bolt. Yeah. Radian stuff's good stuff. So, you know, I don't, I don't care what, what brand it is, just as long as it's a top tier, you know, brand. And I don't mean premium from dollars perspective. I mean, premium from a perspective that some of these companies, uh, for God's sake, Bravo company air gauges every freaking carrier they make. They literally air gauge them. As one part of their inspection process, their QC is is awesome. Um, unfortunately, you know I, they're hard to get. So, but anyway, you know, make sure you're buying good quality stuff to put in the gun uh, for for when you do need to replace it. Don't replace it with 
something that's trashy and it's going to break on you quickly or maybe not work. So, um, if you want parts for the bolt specifically, um, the carrier parts I'm not quite as worried about because you could you could do spare screws on a carrier key and all that stuff. But if you don't have a tool to stake them with, then you're kind of pissing in the wind on that one, right. and you're better off to go back to having a spare BCG or a spare carrier. Um, with the bolt, doing a bolt rebuild kit, um, I, I don't know what the actual life cycle is on a bolt. Generally, from the guys I've talked to that have run bolts, you know, run guns hard, um, they'll basically tell you the life cycle of a bolt is when you start seeing cracks all around the lugs or a lug actually comes off if you didn't see the crack in time. Um, because once one lug goes, the rest are going to follow with a, with a rapidly increasing pace. Um, once two go, the third one's right around the corner, etc. But until then, I'm going to run the crap out of the bolt until there's something to tell me that it's out of spec or something like that. Um, so, you know, having a spare firing pin, they do break. Um, having, you know, it, the ejector doesn't wear out, but the ejector spring does. Um, extractors do wear out. Extractor springs are prone to wearing out. Uh, make sure that you have the current spec spring for your device. If you're running a carbine, then you want the five coil. Uh, with a right rubber donut. Um, there's a little wedgie dealio rubber thingy that can go in there too that I guess is pretty good quality. Yeah. I don't know about that. Um, you know, but having, you know, bolt uh, rebuild kits are always a good idea. Extractor rebuild kits. Uh, spare gas rings. We do see gas rings go out occasionally. Yeah, especially on suppressed guns, yep. shorty guns. Yep. Yeah, and it, it's funny in general too because I don't know if you guys are, you know, if you were familiar with the, the test, the unofficial test where you shake the bolt out and get the bolt out of the carrier and then you stand it up on the carrier and if the weight of the carrier is enough to have it compress on itself and slide the bolt back into the carrier, rotate back into the carrier, um, then your rings are probably worn out. Um, that's a good general rule of thumb, um, but I've seen lots and lots and lots of guns just flat out collapse, like not hold their weight at all, but still run just fine. Um, but at that point, maybe that's, you know, if you don't have spare rings and you see that happening, you should be looking at spare rings or just go and replace them preemptively because I think they cost about four bucks for a set of three. Um, you know, all those types of like maintenance and wear parts we generally have in stock here. So come in and ask us about it for sure. Um, but we do see rings go. Um, we do see extractors go. Ejectors are way more rare, but it does happen. Um, also internally, if you're maintaining your gun, um, the cotter key uh, that you use to keep everything in place in the bolt carry group, especially if you're running a short gun or a suppressed gun or an over gas gun, uh, see it a lot with Mark 18s. Those cotter keys get beat up. Um, they don't fail necessarily, but they're really, really hard to put the gun back together when they're all gnarled up. Um, we sell a device from KNS that's a solid pin that goes through there and pins into place and does a really good job and seems to last quite a bit longer. Yeah. Um, I've been running them in a number of my guns, um, especially a shorty that's suppressed and haven't had the jack with it. I can get the gun apart easily, put it back together easily, and don't have to fight with that cotter key. And, and quite honestly, if you're running the cotter key, you know, bench stock a few of them so you have them as a maintenance piece. Or if you lose one. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um... Had one of our local LE guys, who's who's a shooter, legit dude, come in actually just this week. Um, actually had trigger springs. Uh, had a full auto gun that you know he doesn't use it in full auto uh, often. Uh, trains with it, doesn't really even train with it much in full auto. Um, but had some wear and tear on some hammer springs and stuff like that. And you know maybe we're guessing that the the hammer springs and the trigger or the the hammer spring and the trigger spring in the gun may have been you know some old school stuff because some of the local LEO guys with full auto guns, their dermo guns, or their a little bit older guns, 
Um, and if it's issued to you, you don't know what it was put through before you got it. So, you know, replacing trigger springs, hammer springs. Um, and again, those are, those are kit kind of things that we keep around here. Um, if you're going to replace trigger springs and hammer springs, uh, sometimes those little kits can be a little spendy. You're maybe looking at 20, 30 bucks. Um, at that stage of the game, you are halfway to putting an ALG defense trigger in your gun or a Bravo, Bravo company PNT. Um, but again, having a spare PNT or a spare Geisley SSA laying around, um, is a great backup because it's your parts kit if you need it, but it's also a spare trigger if you want to build another gun out of the parts you find laying around that you're piling up right now. Um, so working your way back through the receiver. Yeah, with, charging with the, handles. Mm -hmm. uh, if you got a mil-spec charging handle, uh, it's going to fail at some point. So either have several spares or just upgrade to a much better mousetrap, like the um, Radian Raptor charging handles mm -hmm. or the Geisley um, ACH or Super charging handle. Yeah. Uh, if you can find one of the old school uh, Vilter design BCM charging handles, um, those work really, really well too. Yeah, yeah, all, all three are really good products, and there may be others out there, too, that are good, uh, but be careful because there's a lot of crap, too. Um, charging handles are kind of a funky thing. Look at how they're built. Look at where the stress points are. Look and see if a 16th-inch roll pin is holding it all together or if it actually has metal-on-metal -metal contact, and a larger, beefier pin is simply a hinge point rather than a true stress point. So take a look at the design of it. Make sure the actual charging handle is made out of 7,000 series aluminum and that it's properly anodized. Yep, and keep it lubed. Um, you know, but anyway, so you know, spare parts-wise, good idea there too. Um, a, a generic lower parts kit for the lower of the gun rather than necessarily individual parts might be just as good of an idea too, simply because you know, occasionally weird things happen. Um, generally, if a gun's put together well, Things like takedown, pin, detents, and springs are, are a non-issue for a very, 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 very long time. Um, but we do see things like uh, safety detents. Um, if you train a lot and if you're running that safety like you should, you know, if it's if you're if you're not ready to fire, the safety's off or on, and if you're ready to fire, it's off. Like a sights on target, sights off target kind of mentality, then you're running that safety a lot. And some of those detents are are plated. Um, and the plating will wear off and the, the, the safety function will get a little bit gnarly, a little bit gritty or chewy or whatever. Or just completely lock up. Yeah, completely lock up. Um, especially again, if you're running shorties or suppressed guns, um, you know, if you're running a suppressed gun, your maintenance intervals probably need to be cut in about half, um, yeah. or better. If, if you're not somebody who's fastidious about cleaning the gun every time you shoot it, then probably want to look at whatever you'd normally do and go about half that. Um, if you're running a suppressor and you're running one of the Radian vented SD charging handles, um, I, I would definitely say for sure, step up your maintenance game, step up your cleaning game. Yeah. With that setup, um, that's the setup I run. Um, you're, you want to do basically a full armor level rebuild on the lower, probably every 1500 to 2000 rounds at a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, that SD, the advantage of the SD is it's keeping the crap out of your face, but it's blowing it down into the lower receiver of the gun. Um, the upper receiver and the lower receiver around the bolt carrier group and things get dirty faster. Um, you know, detailing the gun out definitely becomes a lot more critical at that point. Uh, but it's nice to not have crap blowing back in your face uh, on a regular basis. Um, so, you know, uh, the, the detents that, that tend to go, um, the safety detent for sure is one to keep an eye on. Um, and then also, uh, if, if you're one of those guys who shuttles parts around on guns and stuff like that, this is more of a bench stock mentality than it is things that are going to wear out. Um, but, you know, again, having some of those detents that rest up against the receiver end plate, um, having a buffer D 
detent and spring or three available again if you mess around with stuff like that um, one of the things we haven't gotten into because we haven't found a service life concern with but the law folders I don't know what the service life looks like on those except to say that they have a couple of o-rings um, in in a, in a plug that connects the yeah. bulk carrier group to the buffer um, and you might consider seeing if you can find some backup O-rings for that. Uh, I don't know if that's a hardware store item or if it's maybe simply calling law and saying, hey, can I buy a handful of these washers or O-rings to have around? Um, you know, but getting to the back of the gun, again, if you shuttle stuff around, um, I, I, if you shuttle parts around on guns and move things around on, on any kind of a basis, I, I would have a whole other buffer tube available or a receiver extension available because it is easy to cross thread stuff or have things do weird things and or jack up your threads. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that and the castle nuts and stuff like that. Um, but in general, if you put the gun together and leave it together, you'll probably never need to replace a buffer tube. Um, your buffer and your buffer spring, totally different conversation. Um, buffers, the nylon end on the buffer will eventually wear and get beat up. And, and you know, especially if the gun's overgassed, you may eventually see some wear there. Um, if it's sitting stored, they can dry out and become a little crumbly. Uh, the spring, uh, we were just talking about this. I don't, I don't know what the actual interval is for changing out a spring. You yeah. said that the, Generally, like, the like, bolt, if the bolt goes, the, the spring's gone. So a mil-spec buffer spring um, is generally considered to be a six to 10,000 cycle item, yeah. um, which means if you're dry firing your rifle a lot like you should be, um, those cycles on the buffer spring count Yeah, because we're resetting the whole system and we're, we're running that spring. Um, you know, a good line of thought would be if you're replacing the bolt, you probably want to replace the buffer spring. Absolutely. Um, and like I said, I, I remember reading somewhere and I apologize for not having this information like at my fingertips, but there's, there's a length comparison. If you take a new spec buffer spring and you put yours next to it, if yours is like a three quarters of an inch shorter or more than the current buffer spring, then it's time to replace it. Um, you know, and, and a lot of these conversations can be preempted entirely, uh, simply by looking at like one of the cutter machine slash warthog flat wire springs, uh, because now we're talking about, uh, you know, a hundred thousand cycle unit or something like that. Um, the Geisley braided springs are similar in that they have an extremely long service life. Um, you know, so, you know, maybe if you're building the gun or, or preemptively start out just by replacing that with a better mousetrap like the warthog. Um, and going with a flat wire. The flat wire gives you some forgiveness in some other things too, in that the flat wire springs have more room for things like if a primer or some crud gets behind the buffer, you've got room that the spring can still compress and return and do its thing. Whereas with the common round wire spring, there's a lot of space eaten up. And if something gets in the middle of it, it can shut it down real quick. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm like drawing a blank on anything else. Um, I, I, you know, things that we see commonly on the range, or not commonly on the range, but things we do see happen. Um, sling parts. Mm. Sling parts on guns. Um, QDs and stuff like that. If you've been out in the rain um, and you don't take your sling home and clean it up and make sure you oil those QDs and stuff like that, they will corrode. They're generally, they're common steel. They're going in and out of something, so they have wear on them. So the finishes are generally worn off pretty quickly. And those things will corrode up, and if those little detents corrode up, you're gonna be on the deck. Um, it's, yeah. it's fun. Or to watch. if you're if you're in sandy, silty, yes, type terrain, yeah. um, all of that material will get in those little QD things, and will keep them from either going back out or from compressing to come out. Absolutely. And the the biggest issue with trying to clean those out is that there's not a good way to compress those ball detents and still have access to everything around them. Um, uh, you know, I, I, one of the things I've done is if you can find a piece of tubing, of metal tubing with 3 inch ID, 
and you can kind of get it to engage, you can flood that with WD-40 under a little bit of pressure and try and flush as much of that crap out of there as you can. Um, but, you know, I just want to get whatever is going to be in there that's going to hold on to moisture, sand and dirt and grit hold on to moisture and cause corrosion versus a lack of that stuff doesn't let corrosion happen nearly as easily. So, yeah. um, so you know, make, you know, maintain those kind of things. Um, um, going back to the lower, yeah. if you're running a, a high round cycle gun, um, your trigger pin and your hammer pin, especially on a oh, lower quality yeah. lower, um, where your tolerances aren't necessarily perfect, um, can start to move around and then come out or walk out. Um, KNS makes some locking pins that do a really good job of preventing any of those kind of issues. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got, uh, and you know, if you have a full auto gun um, that you run on full auto, KNS pins are, are probably not a bad idea just to start off with because it is a lot of wear and a lot of abuse on those pins. Generally, my understanding is those pins will wear out before the receiver wears out. But if you preemptively keep all that stuff from moving around, that might not be a bad idea too. Um, if you have a gun where the pins do walk on you, um, you know, take a really hard look at your trigger system and see if your trigger feels crappy. See if you think, man, this trigger just doesn't feel good. Or you put an upgrade trigger in and it still doesn't feel good. It may be because those pins aren't properly aligned, like the holes aren't properly true to each other. Um, but otherwise, if they're just a little bit loose and everything else seems to work well, then, you know, maybe not replace the gun, throw the KNSs in it and go on. Um, that's going to be your call. Um, and like Brian said, if it's an older gun with a higher round count, but everything else is solid, then throw KNSs in it and keep beating on it. Um, you know, lowers and upper receivers last a heck of a long time, um, you know, outside of the other wear parts, especially lowers. So, absolutely. Pushing into... Um, I don't want to belabor the point with optics because there's, we could spend almost as long talking about PMing optics and stuff like that, keeping stuff clean, putting caps yeah. on them to keep them clean. If you, if you, if you buy into that, um, having spare batteries around, having mounting system, having tools around to properly torque your mounting systems, um, um properly loctiting all the screws on the optics to the mount and then the mount to the upper. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, again, we're going to get in trouble here. Um, if, if things are made very well by a reputable manufacturer, um, there are a lot of optics companies and high-end mount companies out there that say if you torque things properly, you don't need to use Loctite. Um, I, th that's fine. Loctite's cheap, though. Um, and if I need to get Loctite out of something and I'm going to exceed torque values doing it because of the Loctite, I can simply take a soldering iron and touch that piece of hardware for a few seconds and warm it up. And generally, that blue Loctite will liquefy. Blue. Loctite, blue, 242, Loctite. Comes in the red tube. Yeah, if you use red Loctite or, or you know, heaven forbid, rock set or something like that on your optic screws. Green Loctite. It's permanent. Yeah, it's it's all yours. Enjoy. It'll be fun for your friends to watch, but but don't do it. Um, so anyway, you know, if the manufacturer doesn't say to use Loctite, then that's cool. That's on you. Um, I, I, I tend to use a little bit of Loctite in a lot, a lot, a lot of places. Um, but do be careful about torque values on optics. You can absolutely, even super duper strong, very, very well-made optics can be destroyed by being over torqued. Um, and, and bear in mind too, when you're complaining about how crappy quality the screws are in your optic, it's because they're made to fail before you destroy an optic. So generally they're not grade eight hardened screws so that you can crank them down to 380 foot pounds of torque on the rings on your scope. 
they're they're generally relatively cheap so that you can't exceed more than about 20 foot pounds of, or inch pounds of torque um, and destroy stuff so you know be aware of that read the manufacturer's instructions read up on it buy a proper inch pound torque wrench um, you know and and put all those things together properly and you're less likely to have issues but as importantly that's stuff you need to check very very often so same thing with lights light mounting system etc while not as critical Keep an eye on those stuff, spare batteries, keep them clean. If they've been wet, give them a chance to dry out. Um, as far as spare parts go, if your lights have O-rings in them, get spare O-rings to seal the battery compartments, whether it's from the manufacturer or from your local hardware store. Um, but these are all things you should have on hand. Um, do you have anything else to add to things to keep around, or do we want to talk about just like kind of a brief timeline of when you see this start to go, maybe you want to start looking at buying yeah, stuff? Yeah, the, the other thing you want to have around is high-quality lubricant. Bullets. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. In addition to lots of bullets, <laughs> um, but high quality lubricant. Yeah. Like let's talk about some cleaning stuff. Um, EWL. Yeah. Uh, if we go back to the late great Pat Rogers, mm -hmm. um, he had a gun called Filthy Fourteen. Mm -hmm. That was sort of the when someone in the class brought a gun that wasn't quite up to doing what it needed to and went down. Um, they got handed that gun, and it never got cleaned, but it got lubed a lot with slip. Yeah. And yep. it was at, what, 37,000 rounds or something without a cleaning? 37,000 rounds without a cleaning. Um, there are a couple parts that have been replaced that were wear and tear parts that you would have expected to be replaced, uh, but literally had never been cleaned. I think the comment was that occasionally one of the guys running that gun would feel bad and, like, wipe out the inside of it with a T-shirt or something like that. But as far as detail cleaning it, um, they were forbidden, if I'm understanding yeah. that properly. Um, and this is, a, this is a factory BCM gun. Um, so the thing with ARs is that they work really well when they're, pro when they're clean and well lubricated. Um, they generally work well when they're well lubricated. Um, they don't work very well when they get dry at all. Yeah. And dirty and dry, it's even worse. So yeah, if you were, um, you know, if you started out the global war on terror in the 1990s, then you can still hear some first sergeant. Um, or team sergeant telling you to get all that lube off your gun so the talcum powder sand in Kuwait and Iraq won't stick to it. Um, download that shit. Uh, forget it. Um, lube, lube your gun. Put it in a great big condom or a bag if you have to if you're going back to, you know, Iraq or whatever. Um, but, but generally back then, lubricants were a lot more magnetic than they are now. Um, modern lubricants don't attract dust and particulate matter like they used to. Um, and if the gun's wet, it'll run. If it's dry, it won't run for long. So, you know, bear some of those things in mind if you're doing that. The other thing I'll say too about cleaning stuff, um, if you're looking at long-term, you know, for whatever reason, cleaning stuff, um, some of this stuff has a shelf life, but most of it, if you shake it back up, it's going to be good 10 years from now if you store it, you know, cool, dry place. Um, but, but having a little bit of bulk on hand of a good lubricant will help with cleaning down the road if you keep the gun wet. And then having, a, you know, whatever the other things are you need. I don't worry a whole lot about patches, but having, a you know, a spare cleaning rod or two or a couple cleaning kits might not mm -hmm. be a bad idea um, if you're going to do that. Because if you're going to shoot the gun and going to need the gun, then you're going to need to keep it clean and functional and wet, lubricated. Yeah, so. Honestly, a, like a small cleaning kit with a collapsible cleaning rod is something that should be in your go-to-war kit. Yeah. Um, especially in the event of a stuck case. I mean, put that cleaning rod together and then get that case back out. Yeah, I mean, you can go back to videos of dudes early on um, carrying rods, you know, ranger banded to their guns um, for stuck case issues and things of that nature. 
Um, you know, I don't know if you want to go that far or not. That's cool. But, you know, and nowadays with so many people running AR pistols, um, you know, literally a couple links of cleaning rod will get you where you need to be. And that's something you can easily carry. Then you're go to war crap. Um, if you carry a, you know, a K bar with a seven inch blade, that's 12 inches overall. Um, you probably got room for a couple links of rod. So, yeah. um, yeah. So guys, you know, that's just kind of an overview, um, of the things you, you know, you might want to consider based on what you have or what you're doing or what your concerns are. Um, when we start talking about, there's also a timeline for keeping an eye on some of this stuff. We're talking about this and we share tongue in cheek about the Boogaloo or, or tongue in cheek about the Wuhan or the Tony Romo virus or whatever it is, the Flugaloo, um, you know, cause that's what's in the news right now. But again, there's an election looming. Um, we're watching, you know, the cretins in Virginia try and take guns away from the people. Um, and in general, you know, guys like mini Mike, um, you know, who, who want to stand on a chair and yell at everybody about how they shouldn't have guns while he's surrounded by dudes with guns. Um, you know, a lot of this BS, if that's what you're concerned about, then, you know, probably having some, some stock of all these things set aside is not a bad idea, but how do you know what's what, how do you know when to go crap? I guess I better open up the wallet and go get stuff. Even if it ticks the wife off. Um, generally if things get weird, we'll see a run on guns and mags. Um, and it depends. Sometimes mags are first, sometimes guns are first. It depends on what they're talking about. If the politicians are talking about high cap mags, they'll go away. If they're talking about high cap guns, then the guns will tend to run, but the mags are never far behind. Um, then right behind that, we see things like parts kits, lowers, um, especially lowers generally follow right behind and then parts kits. Um, and then things like bolt carrier groups and things that are essential to building the gun become issues. Um, all of the, you know, furniture and things like that are always at the bottom of that list. So, you know, if you're thinking, well, I don't want to, I can't get all this stuff right now, but here's some of the stuff I want to get to get ahead of that curve. If there is a rush on it, um, then that's what I would say to take a look at is guns, mags, uh, lowers, and then build kits. And then the parts that have to be there for the gun to work. Um, you know, if you have questions about this kind of stuff, it's definitely something you can stop in and talk to us about. Um, you know, we've got, uh, ourselves and a number of buddies that we deal with on a regular basis who have been through this at least once or twice and can give you a pretty decent tutorial and, um, you know, what to keep an eye out for. And, you know, the time to start buying stuff was last year. It's, it was always last year. Yeah. So cool. Um, one other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, as we, a lot of the tasks we've talked about are technically armor level tasks um, on the AR-15 platform. Yeah. Um, so either get trained up properly as an armor um, or get a, a really good um, AR-15 reference book. Um, I think Mike Pannone wrote one. Um, it's a little notebook with this, uh, like a spring type. Or yeah, yeah, like it's a, a coil, coil, coil bound, wire coil bound. bound. Yeah. Um, Pick that up. You might, yeah, you then, might look around for a TM9 as well. The TM9 from the military is pretty exhaustive. It's not armor level, but it's high level end user um, level. Um, I don't know who does. I'm sure there are armors, three ring bound armors, booklets, notations, whatever, etc. Or <laughs> I almost said DVDs. Uh, there's places I'm sure you can go online and download a YouTube video from somebody who's legit. Um, you may have to pay for it or whatever. I, you know, the information's out there. Um, for sure, but search it out from somebody that's reputable because there are some hacks out there. Um, just ask us because we see them bring in home built guns on a regular basis. Uh, but yeah. yeah, the other thing, um, make sure you have proper armor level tools. Um, things like the Magpul Bev block will make your life a lot easier. 
Um, people will be killing cockroaches after the third nuclear apocalypse with the Magpul Armorer's Wrench. Yes. Um, it is spendy, but it is the last uh, um, AR-15 level or type Armorer's Wrench you will ever need to buy. And it's got a beer opener. It does have a beer bottle opener on it. Um, the one that we use in the shop, we've had going on... Four and a half years. Oh, no, no. Um, no, because it came forward. That. It came forward from West Jeff. Okay. Um, so we're talking eight or nine years yeah. um, of getting used at, at least weekly, often daily, um, and it's still going, still works, still functional. Um, if you think you're going to be building guns for your tribe, assembling guns for your tribe as a civilian, you know, you're allowed to do that um, for, for yourself and for family. Um, you just can't sell them. Um, you know, if that's something you do as a hobby, you might also look at um, Real Avid and, and Geisley do rods that you can build the top end of the gun on that allow you to tor torque things properly. Um, stop by and talk to us about those. We keep the Real Avids in stock and we have access to the Geisleys. Um, phenomenal product. Um, you know, and Real Avid does those armor part, does those armor kits too um, that are that are good CV grade, not spending a million bucks, but it'll last you probably longer than you'll know what to do with. Yeah, we use the Geisley reaction rods here. Um, we're doing muzzle devices and working or building our own guns. Um, the reaction rods are awesome. They're really spendy. Um, yeah. You're also probably killing cockroaches after the third nuclear apocalypse. Oh, yeah. With a guy's reaction rod. Yeah, it's a chunk of steel. You can't really hurt it. So, yeah. Uh, also, punches, uh, proper punch kits. And, 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 again, long term, if you plan on doing a lot of this, if you go to buy a roll pin punch kit, buy two um, for certain. So, um, yeah. you know, so, yeah. I don't, there's a lot of stuff we could add to this. I, I just, like I said, that's kind of an overview. Um, if you guys have time, you want to stop in, you got specific questions again, come on in the shop and let's have a conversation about this. Um, because this is, this is kind of in a, right up our alley. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, last thing, a good, um, inch pound torque wrench. And honestly, you need a foot pound torque wrench too. Yeah. Um, the inch pound one, um, Vortex Optics makes a really good one. You can find it on Amazon or get it direct from Vortex. Uh, I think it's about 65 bucks, but it does a really good job. Um, go to probably Napa um, for a good foot-pound torque wrench mm -hmm. um, because torque specs are very important, especially for barrel nuts. Yep. Uh, on that note, if you got questions, um, come in and see us. We're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Um, you can find us on social media as long as they let us stick around. We are at Cap City Outfitters on Facebook and Instagram. And you can drop us an email at info at capcityoutfitters.com. Thanks a bunch, guys.